in this podcast, I'm going to explore the poem A Peasant by R.S. Thomas, um, hopefully to help you uh, get to go to the poem for controlled assessment purposes. Now, um, R.S. Thomas um, is a famous Welsh poet, and he often looks at things with rather a realistic, unforgiving uh, mindset. And this is definitely apparent in this poem about Iago Pruddach, this um, farmer. Um, and obviously we've got this this lovely juxtaposition of the title, a peasant, which is um, a very generic title. It could be, it could be any peasant, anyone. Um, and then Iago Pruddach is his name, and that's introduced to us in the very first line, a specific individual. Now, in many ways, um, it tells us in line two, he's just an ordinary man of the bald Welsh hills. In many ways, um, Iago is emblematic. He's he's an archetype um, of basically a lot of Welsh peasants in this um, in this way, Welsh rural workers, should we say? Um, and so, even though this poem focuses on one particular, perhaps fictional character, you could argue that it represents um, a lot of um, people in that position in Wales working in the, in the rural environment. Now, there's a tendency, particularly among poetry, to write about natural environments as a kind of rural, idyllic landscape, very idealised. Um, so, you know, sun shining, green grass, all that kind of thing. And this poem doesn't do that. Um, it's a bit of an anti-pastoral because actually the landscape where Iago works is a pretty brutal space. He has to work really hard to get the crops to grow, to fight against the elements. It says he pens a few sheep in a gap of cloud, docking mangles, um, that's a root vegetable, chipping the green skin from the yellow bones with a half-witted grin of satisfaction or churning the crude earth. Now, I think it's interesting that um, we've got the description of his grin as half-witted, which is a very pejorative, negative term. It means he comes across as being really simple, uh, uneducated, uncultured. Um, and then when it describes the earth as crude, I think that adjective is quite apt for Iago himself. Um, crude meaning very basic. Um, and, and it's like he's taking on the qualities of the earth that he works with, these kind of natural elements. Um, it says he's churning the crude earth to a stiff sea of clods that glint in the wind. So are his days spent his spittled mirth rarer than the sun that cracks the cheeks of the gaunt sky perhaps once a week. So this isn't a sunny landscape. It isn't a kind of um, wonderful lifestyle. Um, he doesn't smile very often because there's a lot of hard work to do and he has to work out in all these elements all the time. And that description of the sky as gaunt, you know, gaunt kind of means skinny, um, in need of nourishment, could perhaps reflect the fact that many of these workers are malnourished, working hard, working their fingers to the bone, as you may have heard the phrase go. And then it says, um, at night we see him fixed in his chair, motionless, except when he leans to gob in the fire. 
Um, and there's a couple of things I want to draw out of this. Well, first of all, is is he sort of just so exhausted from his manual labour that all he can do is just collapse in a chair, perhaps? Is he so simple-minded that he has no aspiration? He doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't want to read any books. He doesn't want to um, even have a social life. The only thing he does is to gob in the fire. And that colloquial word, gob, I think reveals a lot about um, our perceptions of Yago as being this kind of lower status working class person um, who doesn't seem to have any elect- intellectual capability or questioning about anything. Is it the fact that he's actually quite content with this life um, in a way that the speaker, who by implication is middle class and not part of the working class that Yago's part of, is it that the speaker can't understand the fact that Yago's actually quite content to just sit in the fire and have this very simple hand-to-mouth um, self-sufficient lifestyle. Um, it, you could argue a number of interpretations here, but it definitely seems to be, to the speaker, this life is quite a rough life. It's not an easy life, that's, that's for sure. There is something frightening in the vacancy of his mind. Um, his clothes sour with years of sweat and animal contact shock the refined. And there's obviously the sense here, and I, I love the kind of um, overlapping rhyme of the poem because it, it, it feels to me a little bit like the way the seasons overlap throughout the year and you have a sense of this ongoing cycle that is, is constantly in motion. I love the overlapping li- rhyme. Um, but I think it's interesting that this word sweat kind of breaks the rhyme um, and it really does stand out on its own at the end of of its line and I think you naturally linger on that word in that really unsavoury image of his clothes being sour with years of sweat you can almost smell it um, again it's not a flattering picture it's not not a nice picture um, but it's interesting that it then goes on to say that this, uh, these things shock the refined but affected. So this word affected is actually a negative word about the refined people the poet's referring to. So perhaps middle class or upper class people would be really shocked by um, the sweaty, yucky clothes of Yago. But um, they're affected. They are artificial and, and false because they don't have any contact with with reality with these real elements they don't make the food that they eat they don't have any connection with the landscape in the same way um that that Yago does so there's actually an implicit criticism of the middle upper classes here and then this is where Yago the peasant begins to be held up um as a positive example for us so it says, um, his clothes style with years of sweat and uh, with years of sweat and animal contact shocked the refined but affected, sense within stark naturalness. Yet this is your prototype, who season by season against siege of rain and the wind's attrition preserves his stock, an impregnable fortress not to be stormed even in death's confusion. So at this point, the poem's shifted now. Yago's the prototype. He's a kind of figure that we should look to. Season by season, 
against siege of rain. This is military imagery here, siege of rain. And the wind's attrition preserves his stock a, bit, a little bit like a kind of Christ-like shepherd looking after his sheep, making sure none of them's missing. An impregnable fortress, that's the military image again, not to be stormed even in death's confusion. So even when the elements are battering him, uh, he stands firm. He wins that war against nature itself. And even though he's in a very um, even dangerous environment, unreliable, it can often fight against him, um, he's, he's the winner. And this rhyming couplet right at the end uh, underlines that. It says, remember him then, for he too is a winner of wars, enduring like a tree under the curious stars. I love that couplet. I love the command, remember him, because now, as a, as suddenly as a reader, we're being told to remember this this figure that throughout most of the poem has been kind of scoffed at um, as being very basic, very um, sort of rough. And now we're being told, remember him. He too is a winner of wars. Now it's interesting, this was written in um, 1942, which is in the Second World War. So there's a sense of which like the, the people are very aware of the soldiers uh, sacrificing their lives. The war memorials, you know, from the First World War, which were um, put up in many towns to remember the dead. You know, the poet saying, we should be remembering the peasant too, not just the soldier. Um, Iago is worthy of remembrance. He's a winner of wars. Um, and obviously you might remember the propaganda posters dig for victory. You know, without supplying our own food, we, we wouldn't be self-sufficient. We wouldn't be able to be in a strong position to win the war. So um, he is absolutely essential in the machinery of our country to keep us all going. And I love this image, enduring like a tree under the curious stars, because the stars make me think of the wider universe and this sense of cosmic significance of this ordinary man um, who just does his job um, and keeps us all fed and, and keeps everything going. So we've got we've got the theme of like, you know, man versus nature um but there's there's a dependence on nature too you know if we didn't have these crops um grown we would starve so there's a oneness i think between yago the peasant a oneness between him and the landscape and the animals that he works with and whilst he seems on a different plane of existence at a different level to maybe the educated middle class upper class people of our society implicitly the poem forces us to question what we value and why um you know all these clever people who can write books and read books can they actually feed us can they actually help us to survive this war um where are their books now and i, I think there's that implicit question forcing us to reevaluate um the peasant in his undervalued position um, in society. Um, there's a sense of which he starts off the poem as this kind of rough, spitting farmer, and he ends the poem as a kind of warrior. It's, it, it turns into a kind of tribute. Um, and so I think that rhyming couplet at the end accentuates um, Iago as this important figure that we need to remember 
Um, and so I think it's really interesting, again, to track your way through the poem, look at where does the shift start to turn the poem um, to help you admire the peasant? And what do you think R.S. Thomas's message is uh, underneath the poem?